Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. In today's episode, we're going to talk about why too much social media can crush your confidence. But before we get onto that, as always, we just want to mention some of the work that you've been sharing with us so far for this month's challenges. Tara, what's caught your eye this month? Well, I've really liked Deb Swain's lino printing and also her collage work. I've loved Lynn Vallon's cats that she painted without any line work. Have you seen those, the blue cats? Are they the blue ones? Yeah, lovely, aren't they? Really nice. She did like a close-up of an eye on one. I thought that was lovely too. And I've really liked Emma Cavill's sketch of her car buttons and gear stick. And she actually drew that while she was waiting in the car, which is a great use of time. I think we've, we've suggested that before. Yeah. And I also really like Claire Dunphy's. She's been doing some really simple brush and ink drawings, which are really nice. So what about you? What have you liked? Yeah, I'm, I've been enjoying Claire's stuff as well. It's been really lovely. Jessica Lofgren is another one. She's been sharing some gorgeous work with us for Quick Kicks Challenge. Um, Cheryl Martin, she's been sharing some fantastic pieces for the Kick Collage. And you can just tell how much she's enjoying it. Her work's been really, really great. Um, Joanna Spencer, or sorry, Joanne Spencer, um, she's been doing some lino printing for Lino November, and the work she shared has been really nice too. And it was lovely to see KD back this month. She's been sharing some really lovely sketchbook pages for the Quick Kicks Challenge. I totally I mean, I can... loves. I love Kay's work. Oh, isn't it gorgeous? I love the way she does her spreads. Um, She well, she does those sort of sketches where she does one and then another and then another, all on one page, and then kind of almost makes it look like a, a journal page. It's really, really nice. But I could go on. There's There's been so much to see. And um, I've noticed that a few more people are starting to share videos with us now. Um, there's been lots of sketchbook tours and even some time-lapse videos. So that's been really, really enjoyable. So keep those coming. Um, Tara, what's new with you? Well, I've been designing us some T-shirts. Some no. The- yes. <laughs> <laughs> drive me slow, slightly nuts. We come up with some slogans between us, didn't we? Yeah. Um, so I've been designing those. So hopefully we're going to have on sale soon. I've also started sorting out my art space and that's ready for us making videos next year. We're going to start making tutorial videos, I think we'll mention later. Um, And also I've been doing some of the challenges. I've been doing a bit of drawing over collage for kick collage and also some quick brush pen drawings for quick kicks. So what about you? What's been happening with you? Well, like you, I've been sprucing up my art studio and it really does look really pretty now. I just love being in it. I took my um, steam cleaner in there and cleaned up all the floors (laughs) and work surfaces and put new cloths on my painting station. Uh, Picked up some of those berry lights to drape around the leaves and I tell you what, it just feels so inviting now. I mean, cleaning the studio is something I do every time I finish a painting anyway because I do like to start afresh, but this time I've really gone to town and I'm so pleased with it. And I've just had a new canvas delivered yesterday and I've started a new painting so I'm excited to see how that develops. Um, it's quite a different subject than I normally do but it's still really focusing on the contrast between light and dark which I find really fun so I'm looking forward to getting stuck into that again this afternoon. We've got as well haven't we Tara our creative trip to London coming up this Sunday which we had to rebook because 
we'd booked it before, hadn't we? But the trains were up the spout, weren't they, yeah, from your totally, end? Yeah, yeah. So we had to change the original date that we'd planned. But this time it's all good. We've got our tickets and our meeting place. So I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, so that should be fun. Yeah, I am quite scared, I must admit. <laughs> anyway, today we are talking about social media. And of course, that can be a great place to share your work and meet like-minded people. I mean, we'd never have met, would we, Tara, if it wasn't for the internet? But, you know, along with the good side of social media, scrolling through too much of it, particularly when you're feeling a bit vulnerable or you're in the wrong frame of mind, it can be a sure way of feeling inadequate or even end up rocking your confidence. Yeah, I mean, it bombards us with so much different stuff, doesn't it? You get politics. Oh God, I really hated it. When when anything political is going on, everyone ends up, like, hating each other almost. It's awful. You also get, you know, adverts, those chain letters. And sometimes you you feel obliged to like people's posts too. It takes up so much time. Yeah. And, and often it really takes a while to find things that you are interested in, like a video for an art technique that inspires you or a speaker that really motivates you. So, you know, how do we use social media in general? Uh, and apart from being a way to keep in touch or be nosy, like I do with people that you used to go to school with or even people you didn't like at school, do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you do, don't you? Uh, how, do you know what? I'm a bit lazy on Facebook. I think Paul's more like that than I am. Oh, really? Using your account? <laughs> he hasn't got a Facebook. He hasn't got Facebook, but he uses mine all the time and he uses it to be nosy. <laughs> The only problem is you see these photos on Facebook and I, I see these mm. amazing photos. I think, God, you're always out having a fantastic time, but you don't actually see what's going on behind that photo. So you might have people having this fantastic barbecue. They're all smiling, having this great time. But what you don't see is that all the food got burned. Well, that's that's what happens to our barbecues. <laughs> and um, the actual party is quite dull but no one's actually going to put up an I'm bored to death photo, are they? <laughs> no. I actually try and avoid photos. Cause, um, and also, I recently saw this site that actually advertised itself as a, a fake place to download fake social media photos. Oh, no. Yeah, so you could download, like, amazing sunsets, you know, and people having fun on the beach. I don't know if it was a spoof or not, but I thought, you know. Surely. Yeah. Surely. It's funny, though. <laughs> Yeah, that is the problem with social media. It can be really misleading. I mean, obviously, people are going to only share what's good in their lives mostly anyway, but they're understandably less likely to be so quick to share something that's not so good. I mean, for example, um, a few months ago, I posted a cake that I'd made and I'll tell you, it looked just like it had come out of a magazine and it tasted amazing. And to the world, I probably look like a domestic goddess. But the fact is, the only reason I posted that cake is because it's so rare for them to turn out well. I mean, I'm a terrible cook. Uh, you know, in, in, in my defence, though, I have also posted some terrible cakes at times just to be sure that I am trying to balance the good and the bad. But actually, for the most part, people don't tend to do that nearly so often. And I'm no exception. Well, I don't so remember your cake. Oh, it was, it was probably, it must be going back two, two, two or three years. Ah, oh, right, okay. That's how often I make a cake now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's only natural, isn't it, that people want to share good news and good things that have happened to them. And thank goodness, because, I mean, who wants to scroll through endless depressing posts? And I do feel uplifted when I see people posting fun stuff. But the problem is that, you know, as a reader, it can lead to misconceptions and also comparisons, which I don't think are healthy. And the reality is often really different from what you're actually seeing. So as another example, 
It's always around September time, isn't it, when you get thousands of posts appearing of kids in their school uniforms standing on their doorstep with posts about how proud mummy and daddy are of their little cherubs going to school. But what you don't see is that they cannot wait for them to go back because darling little Bella has actually been a total pain in the ass for the whole holiday. <laughs> but we don't see all of that. And that's okay, but it is an important thing to remember when you're reading these things. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing a social media post a while ago. It was really, really funny. And what it had was this amazing sort of photo. So there might have been a woman lying on a sun lounger, you know, with, with a cocktail or something. She was having, having a great time. But then they showed you the, the setup of the photo. Like, so it then went out a few metres. And you'd actually see she's actually in a tiny yard that was probably really messy. And there was a yeah. load of shots like that. They were really, really clever. But just showed you how you could set something up. Like, if I went into town, say our town, I could go and stand in front of maybe a really nice park or a really nice building but then if I went to the opposite side of the road there might be a dump or you know an old skip or something like that so it's really easy to kind of deceive people and get a really wrong impression and what about that whole new craze airbrushing profile pictures or any pictures I find that completely bonkers what do you make of all that well <laughs> you're gonna hate me because I once airbrushed out the bags under my eyes <laughs> profile picture <laughs> <laughs> and I remember it was really funny because it's not on the one I've got now, but the previous one I thought, oh my God, my eye bags look enormous. So I just softened them out a little bit in Photoshop. And my mum said, oh, the picture, your new profile picture is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not heard of concealer? <laughs> Well, it is. It's just Photoshop concealer. Well, I didn't realise when I took it how bad they were. Oh no! I think that that can just be lighting. Don't forget, <laughs> it can be poor. <laughs> it can be poor lighting. Yeah, I mean, I I know so many people who seem to be airbrushing themselves in their posts to the point where their skin looks even younger than their own children. When you've met them personally, you know that they don't really look like that. So, what is the point? I mean, be confident. You know, to be yourself and be real. You're you're good enough. I would really hate someone to see me on the street and think that. I look really bad in the flesh compared to my photograph. That said, would I post a terrible photograph of myself on social media? No, of course not. I'm obviously not going to post photographs that I hate. I'm only going to post photos I'm okay with. But what a lot of people seem to be doing these days is editing themselves and their lives to the point where nothing is quite real anymore. They're picking the little golden nuggets of their life and posting them online, but then they're leaving out the imperfect bits, you know, the bits that make us human. And the danger of this is that everyone is looking at everyone else and thinking that they've got this perfect life, when in fact that's not true at all. We need to understand that half of everything we see is misleading. There's no such thing as a perfect life. So what about art then? You know, we were talking about airbrushing and making things better, but you can do exactly the same with art online too. For example, if you take a photo of your work, you can change or enhance the colours with filters. I'm not saying you should, but it's easily done and I'm sure people do it. You can also adjust the crop so that the composition looks better. So if you've drawn it in horizontal mode, you might photograph your art as a square, which looks better. And of course, Instagram actually does that as well. It, it prefers to have work as square. So you can make your work look better. And so people who post it, their work may not look as good as it does in the flesh. Yeah, I think enhancing your art online is a really bad idea. I mean, especially if you're planning to sell it. I mean, the last thing you want 
is for the person who receives the art to compare it to the photograph and feel disappointed. I mean, that's a real no-no. And in fact, the only way I'll ever um, adjust my photo on a computer of art is to make it look more like what it does in the flesh, even if I have to make it look less good because that's so important to me that it doesn't look better than it actually is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely if you're going to sell it. Deceptive. Yeah. yeah, it's deceptive. And I'd hate someone to, to receive something and think, well that's nowhere near as vibrant I just wouldn't want to do that but Instagram I thought you could you well you don't have to post square on Instagram anymore can you You can just pinch it in and it gets the whole thing now yeah you can pinch it in but sometimes it then looks small it doesn't look that nice sometimes because it's then pinched in so I sometimes leave mine as square just because you can kind of see a bit more of the detail but But that's different isn't it that's different um for that purpose it's different doing that than it is to actually enhance the look of the overall image yeah but you do also enhance the look sometimes like if i take a photo and it you know my lighting is probably not that good because i've just snapped Mm. it in in the you know on my knee when i'm drawing or something in the living room sometimes i won't enhance it to try and enhance the colors but i'll try and get it so it doesn't look like it's got shadows on it or do you know what i mean i'll just punch it up a bit to get rid of the sort of the dullness from the living room and the dull lighting yeah if, oh, that's if that different. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But but I'm sure people do. I would imagine there are people that do enhance them a bit on screen. I don't know. Oh, I'm sh- I'm sure. I'm sure there are. But on the positive side, we've talked about some of the negatives. Social media has made it much easier for us to learn anything for free, much more than it used to be. You only have to go to YouTube for any creative topic, and the chances are you'll find a tutorial video. I mean, that's much easier than the old way. Do you remember learning the old way? oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah if you, if you traits him down the library wouldn't it or buying yeah. books yeah and it's like real books ones that you can actually open and touch and yeah <laughs> but i don't know about you but i always found books i love books for inspiration but i always find books to learn from like for example art something where it's very visual i find that much harder from a book although i know you learn that way I, I did learn mostly that way. Yeah, by the time we got computers, I still wasn't that into them at the time. Social media, I wasn't even on, I don't think, back then. I might have been. But it wasn't really a big thing. It wasn't as, like it is today. Yeah. But the problem with books for me, I don't know if I've said this before, but I'm one of these people, if somebody shows me how to do something, I take it in really, really quickly. Yeah. I mean, I'm a good reader, but if I have to actually read, you know, instructions or I'm trying to visualise what that what those words mean yeah do you know what I mean when it comes to tutorials yeah and it it doesn't sink in so much so actually that's where social media is great because you can literally just watch someone and it's so I mean what you can learn from that is amazing yeah totally amazing Uh, and Mm. it's also like finding inspiration now is so much easier again instead of buying buying books you can just you only have to go onto Instagram and you see all these amazing different types of art and, and mostly that you know it's fantastic but depending on your mind, your frame of mind, it can also have a really negative effect. So if you're feeling down and you see all this amazing work, it can really start, you know, killing your confidence. Um, you can also get feedback and encouragement on your work, but this can go either way. So you might either get criticism. Fortunately, I haven't noticed this that much, which is really good online. But you can also get a lot of encouragement and it's a great way to find like-minded people you can connect with. One of the things I, I find tricky nowadays is that when we used to look at books like we were saying before those books would have been created by the top 
or you know very well-known artists in their field whereas yeah. nowadays we can see some work by some amazing artists all over the world and it's not just those few that we pick up in books and that can also be difficult because we start comparing ourselves with them and we also look at a quick sketch that we've done and we see their work and think you know wow and my work is nowhere near that level but what we don't think about is how long they've spent on it I know I saw an artist that I like and she'd done this she'd done this sketch or a drawing more and I thought you know that is amazing but I just assumed that she'd taken the sort of amount of time that I'd spend on something so if I'd been doing a sketch or drawing the tops I'd spend an hour on it and that'd be pushing it usually it's like half an hour 20 minutes 15 minutes but she'd spent four hours on it and right I was really surprised because not it wasn't great but just I'd assume she'd done it a lot more quickly. And of course, yeah. hers is bound to be way more detailed and better than mine because the time she's spending on it. I don't, have you ever felt intimidated? Yeah, definitely. But, but mainly by the amount of work that some artists seem to manage to produce. Because one thing I struggle with as an oil painter, particularly using the methods I do, is that I can't produce paintings quickly. So, you know, when I see other artists posting painting after painting, you know, on a weekly basis, I find myself feeling like my own social media page is nowhere near as active as theirs. And maybe it's even a bit boring. Um, I mean, I know there are ways of posting more like progress shots, but then I worry that I'm oversharing on one particular painting. And then when it comes to sort of the ta-da moment, there's, there's no surprise, do you know what I mean? And, and for that reason, I, I do try sometimes to have more than one painting on the go, which is a good idea. But for some reason, it doesn't tend to work for me that well, because I always find it just easier to focus solely on one from start to finish without having other things around me to distract my attention. That's just, that's just how my brain works, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think you should just how you like working either for social media but but there's perhaps other ways that you could share content on your page I know I know you've started doing this a bit um yeah but you could do a tour of your art space like Deb Sane in our Facebook group did you remember seeing that video she'd done and she walked yeah. around her house and showed where she did everything she did I think there's a time limit on Instagram isn't there for videos is that right um yeah I think it's a minute on on your your main Instagram but I think you can do it longer on Instagram TV yeah yeah I do I do want to work on that next year definitely yeah I mean you can also show photos in with your materials like you showed one of how you hang your your paints up which is really good um you could also show how you prepare a canvas I don't know if you've ever shown that no I haven't actually no or how you find your inspiration and your reference maybe how you set up your shots have you ever shown how you set up your shots in them? Yeah, I, I, um, I did a painting of a um, glass of rum with a slice of lime floating in it, and I wanted it... I don't know if you obviously have seen my my latest whiskey glass painting. Well, I did a rum glass, rum and lime, about a year ago, I think it was, and I wanted it to have that same really dark background with the light bouncing off the glass. So I set that up in my shadow box, and I set that up, and then I did do a post on that and showed the whole setup which was, yeah, yeah, I should do more things yeah. like that, definitely. I mean, yeah. even people would probably want to know, didn't you, your dad made your shadow box for you, didn't he? He did, yeah. Even how he created something like that, I think, would be quite mm. interesting. I would have no clue how to set something like, like that up, not and get the lighting and everything you wanted. No, it, that's shadow boxes are fantastic for that. They really are. You can really manipulate the light to, to be exactly what you want. So just explain, for someone who doesn't know what a shadow box, what is one? Well... 
if you look at, say, professional photographs on a catalogue of things like watches and, um, I don't know, household objects like vases and things like that, you know, you, you flick through and see the objects. Well, they would have been photographs in some kind of shadow box. And what that is, is it's it's a box, obviously, and it's got a diffused window either side of the box an open front and a diffused um, top. So what happens is basically without any light shining through those windows, there's not a lot of light gets into the box. But then if you shine various lights through either side or over the top, you can kind of make the light go whatever direction you want it to go in. And you can have a warm light one side and a cool light another if you, if you were going to set something like that up in a normal studio environment, then obviously you've got windows everywhere. You can't control where the light's coming from. It is just a way of manipulating where the light is coming from and the warmth and the coolness of the light. And obviously as well, the backdrop. Is it white inside? Because I've got like this pop-up photo tent. Um, mm. It's literally that, you know, you know, you actually get those one-man tents that can just, you take them out of bag. Yeah. It's like that, basically. Yeah. Is it white inside? My, you can do you can do white or or black. Oh. Mine's actually black, but it's got like a rail at the back, so I can hang a white background if I want to, or I can hang any kind of color background. Um, so yeah, you can do it whatever color you like. I did mine black simply because I wanted to really limit the amount of light bouncing around yeah. because of the kind of work I was doing at the time. So, so one more thing you could also make for your um, social media is a sketchbook tour. Have you ever done a sketchbook tour? No, I, that's another thing I haven't done. Because no. we've recently had some members in a group do that. I think Kim Hine definitely. I remember seeing hers. I think a couple of people have done them. Did Cheryl do yeah, one Kim, as well? Cheryl Martin. I can't remember. I do remember Kim. Has, I think Kim's done a few, hasn't she? Yeah. Oh, another thing. Just had another idea. You could also ask your audience questions or give them tips. And that's what we do on our um, Instagram as well, the Kicking the Craziest one. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you know, um, it's easy, obviously, when people are doing all this stuff to sort of think, wow, they're, they're so productive. And, and that's how I feel sometimes. I look at these other Instagram pages and think, oh, God, this person's posting every single day and I'm kind of doing once a week. <laughs> and then, but then, like you say, all those things that they're doing, it's because they're they're appearing to be very, very productive and busy when, in fact, you know, maybe they're sharing something they've shared a few times before and maybe they're sharing just like things like you've said, which sort of just gives that impression, doesn't it? Um, that's, that's the thing. And it's, it is easy to get intimidated by their apparent productiveness. Yeah. And some people do the most amazing photos as well of, of what mm. they're doing. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do want to work on mine. Absolutely. Another thing it's easy to feel inferior about is the space that you have to work in. So when you see other people in their own studio environment, and often the studio is like an artwork in itself, the surroundings are kind of pure white and everything's spotless and there's greenery everywhere, fairy lights and art books and art on the walls. You're kind of left looking at your own workspace, which looks like a war zone and wondering how on earth those people do it. <laughs> Yours definitely didn't look like a war zone. You sent me a photo the other day. Well, I didn't know what was a hanging. You sent me this photograph of your studio. There was this hanging. Yeah. What are the hanging things you've got? Hanging things? Yeah, well, you sent it through a hanging door thing. It was like a stringy thing. On the left? I didn't, no, it was actually you took the photo through a load of hanging strings. Oh! <laughs> <'Cause that's when laughs> oh, I, I see. 
<laughs> that's because my studio backs onto my office. That's how Paul built it for me so that I could do the part-time work that I need to do for him, but also flip to and throw from the studio if, if it's quiet. Do you see what right. I mean? So what I did is I used, I, I bought this thing. It was like a division between the two. So it was like I could make them into two separate right. spaces with, without having to put a door up. That's all that was. Was that arty, <laughs> taking a photo through that? Was that what it was? I think that's the start of the video. I was kind of walking <laughs> through, wasn't it? <laughs> was it? It was a still I saw. You just sent me a still, didn't you? Oh, oh I thought it was a video. I haven't watched Did you watch no, it? No, I thought you just sent me a still. <laughs> oh, I'm Tara. I'm a dum-dum. It's, it's a video. That's why I said to you, is this your witch's lair? <laughs> No, you should watch it. I, I basically took you on a little tour oh, of the studio. Oh, I'll have to watch that later. Oh, what an idiot. <laughs> Never mind. But what we've got to remember about these setups that we see from everybody is they may have been purposely made for a video or at least tied up a lot like I would have to do. The rest of their room could look a complete mess for all we know. And as we mentioned earlier, we're going to start making some little videos for kicking the creatives next year. Hopefully, we're going to start February, I think. We're going to put some up. Yeah. 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 So I was trying to work out where I could film in my office because at one side I've got like a corner desk and I've got my computer, printers, and I've got so many drawers full of art kits that if I tried to film down there, it would look really messy. So we've now tried to clear the other side of my office out. We did have Kevin's rowing machine and we had my punch bag. And that's all. That's all. <laughs> Has it got a photo of Kevin's head on it? <laughs> no. Oh. No, so we've, we've moved all that. And um, now I've got, I've just got a desk and we're getting some shelving and we had some blinds put up. I've took your advice and got some of that hanging ivy. Mm. So hopefully that side of my room will look really nice for the videos. But if anyone came and looked at the rest of my office, they'd see the real me. Yeah. Not not the tidy video me. No. Well, this is exactly why I've spruced up my own studio, because obviously we've got these videos that we want to do for next year, and I don't want to do it in naff surroundings. Do you know what I mean? Of course I don't. And to be honest, I'm a bit OCD anyway, and it needed to be done. Um, And it is such a a nice place to be now, and I do love those berry lights, but it doesn't always look so clean and organised, and it won't. There's always going to be times when it's an absolute mess, especially after I've finished a painting. There's paint everywhere, and the cloths are covered in paint and you know but I was actually watching I don't know if you've seen any videos like this I was watching something on YouTube the other day of someone saying how to set up a good background for a YouTube video and it's quite interesting actually because this girl she just sort of stands in front of a wall but behind her are these kind of you know how when lights go out of focus they kind of yeah um, turn into what they call it bokeh I don't know but they almost turn into like hexagonal shapes all the lights and and it was such a lovely background and all the time I was sort of thinking where you are now it looks so beautiful and then she just said something along the lines of well let me show you what my background's really like and she just reached forward and did something to the camera and then suddenly all the background came into focus it was just a plain um wall with um like fairy lights but they were even on a green string (laughs) and they were yeah it just looked horrible (laughs) (laughs) but she was saying what I do is I make the backdrop really out of focus and then 
that creates this illusion of being in this amazing place and and she's really not so that really opened my eyes a bit yeah I thought brilliant I'm really really glad I saw that video I was reading about well not watching about that as well and in no doubt the photographers who are listening will know about it but apparently you have to have um, a lens that is really low f-stop or something a really no number that lets in loads of light because then that will throw your background out Apparently, you can have a real short depth of field, yeah. So, yeah, there is ways of doing it. It's just I'm not a photographer, so I have to just sort of bumble along (laughs) and try try things. (laughs) But, you know, one example of this kind of thing, and this always makes um, Paul and I roll our eyes, is like Nigella. (laughs) Nigella cooking programmes. I mean, there's always that scene, isn't there, where she kind of sachets down the stairs in her silk dressing gown, perfectly made up, not a hair out of place, and it's supposedly midnight because she felt peckish, like you do. And and then she wanders into her kitchen where there's berry lights glowing beautifully everywhere, in which case she must have gone to bed and left them on, which is a fire risk from the start. And then she whips something up fantastic in just a few minutes and then curls up on her sofa to tuck in. I mean, obviously this is so far from reality. I actually find it comical and it, it drives Paul mad yeah. <laughs> because... If that was me, first of all, I'd look like I'd been dragged through a hedge backwards. And secondly, I'd be in a really foul mood because I need my sleep. So if there's one program that can make us all feel inadequate, it's definitely that one. <laughs> but I do wonder if programs like that have you know, influenced us to some degree. Yeah, I mean, I always think that Nigella must have taped her face with masking tape. Have you ever, have <gasps> you ever seen... Um, I remember them talking about it on... Oh, I shouldn't say this. I watched this at lunchtime. Loose Women... You have to. Oh, you don't, Tara. You don't. I tape it. Oh, you don't. (laughs) But anyway, so um, apparently, some movie stars who haven't had all the plastic surgery work done, they get masking tape, and they've got long hair. So we could do it because we've got long hair. We can do this in London, so our videos look. Maybe we could try a bulldog clip. <laughs> and, and then they tape their face so that they pull all their skin back, and so they have a really nice smooth neck and nice smooth. Wouldn't face. a ponytail be easier? No, but it actually actually do their neck rather than that bit. Oh, so yeah, oh. so I think Nigella does that because her skin and everything looks amazing. Well, do you know, I don't think she does that because I think she's probably got so much money that she could probably afford to have actual surgical yeah. surgery. Maybe, maybe really, we'll stick she... with the tape then. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we'll try that out on our yeah. videos. Also, I think I need a hat. I've told you, I think I need a hat for the videos. <laughs> well, but if, if anyone's wondering what we're talking about, we're on our London trip um, on Sunday. We're going to try and do a few videos, aren't we? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, now I've forgotten what I was saying. <laughs> so seeing all these fantastic studios and amazing work can make you feel down unless you use it in the right way as a source of inspiration and learning and use it for a goal for what you want your art and space to be in time rather than worrying about what it looks like now yeah and we have to remember that generally artists will only post up the work they're happy with and at the end of the day that's quite understandable but when you see a fantastic painting that another artist has shared it's really easy to imagine that it just fell off the brush but the truth is you know the artist has probably been working on that painting for months and what you don't see is the frustration it took for them to get that painting to that stage or the previous painting they did that will never see the light of day and what we don't see are all of the less successful paintings that they've never posted the ones that went wrong 
So when you look at other artists' work, yes, you should be inspired by them, but you should also have faith that they have exactly the same struggles as you do from time to time. And I've had emails from people, you know, when I did my really big marble oh, painting, yeah, yeah. I had an email from someone saying, you know, I really aspire to be an artist like you one day. That's the most amazing painting. How did you do it? Blah, blah, blah. And, and she sort of asked me questions like, how out of out of 10 paintings, how many go wrong? And, things. and I remember when I started out having all those same questions, when you see something online, you, you just imagine that an artist, just every single painting they do is just a hit straight away. And it's just easy. It just takes a long time, but it's easy. Yeah. They know exactly what they're doing. But actually... Painting is very much a puzzle and, and you might do one great painting, but the next time, I guarantee it'll be exactly the same thing where you're having to work out so many issues and problems to try and make it what you want. So it's not easy. It's not an easy thing. It just looks it because of how we perceive things, I think. Well, I remember when you were doing that big marble painting, you got quite stressed, didn't you? I did because it was a commission, I think, as well. I mean, if it hadn't have been commissioned, maybe I would have been half as stressed, but... Yeah, it wasn't easy because I'd never done something so big before. I'd done small marbles, not huge ones. And, um, I mean, I lost sleep over that painting. <laughs> it was well worth it in the end. I yeah. learned so much from it. But, no, I don't find it necessarily easy. Not some, Sometimes some paintings just seem to happen. There are the paintings like that that just come together. But for the most part, that's not really the case. It is a battle. Yeah, I mean, I think the same applies to sketching. Um, you know, sometimes that looks effortless and easily, particularly with the time-lapse videos you see these days. It gives this false impression of just how quickly something's created. So we might feel that we can't knock out a great sketch in minutes. You know, then perhaps we failed because we can't do that. You know, I've made time-lapse videos myself. And do you remember that Danny Gregory drawing I did? Because we were trying to, I do. We were trying to advertise yeah. our podcast. And you remember because I kept on sending you the ones I'd done. And, yeah. <laughs> and I did this 10-minute sketch of Danny Gregory but I sped it up to a, to a minute and finally we got one that I was happy with but what people didn't see was that I'd already drawn about nine that's no joke <laughs> I'd done about nine different versions before that one that I was thinking I still wasn't totally happy with it because it you know, had some funny colors in it but you know it was okay so we went ahead with that one but no one would see that and everyone would think I'd just done that straight off you know that quick thing and also do you remember i did those characters a while back they were for t Which, they, they were on yellow paper and they were just really simple doodles um with like circles and semicircles you probably can't remember but you actually I said know. to me um did you know do i plan it out or does it just come out like that oh yeah i do know yeah. i do know what you're talking about yeah and i said well no i don't plan them out but there's also some that go wrong, so I don't show them. I only show the ones that work. But the sketching doesn't have to be done in minutes. You know, everyone has their own pace, which gets quicker with practice. And if you do sketch loosely, just be proud of the imperfections. They add to the charm. Well, that, that's my excuse anyway. Yeah. I've also tried to make time-lapse videos and actually forgotten to hit record. So I've done the whole drawing or half the drawing and looked at my timer and it's not going. And that is bound to be the one that went yes. absolutely right first time. <laughs> Sometimes they were. <laughs> yeah, they, they can be so misleading. I mean, I know that it's obvious that they've been sped up, but you really can't tell, you know, just how much they've been sped up by. And I watched a time-lapse video recently of somebody painting realism, and 
it made it look so easy and it really did seem like the artist was finding it effortless but what I loved about that that particular video is that the artist actually cut in a little bit of real time um, in the middle of it which was a real eye-opener because I mean every brushstroke was laid so carefully and so slowly and I felt so much better after I saw it because she was showing the reality of it which I really appreciated because when you do watch them sped up it does look like they've they've produced that painting in probably an hour when in actual fact it's taken a couple of days. I always think as well when you see like even when I watch myself and it's very weird to watch yourself back drawing is it looks like I'm not even thinking about where I put marks and I know I'm, I'm working very quickly but then when you slow it down to the original speed you can see how like I hesitate or other people hesitate what, where they're thinking basically where to put the mark so you you might be about to make a mark and then you stop and then you change where it's going if you know what I mean yeah because I always think when when you do those videos it does look like you just get it down and don't have to think too much and it does make you kind of feel like oh I could never do that I'd, I'd have to really think about where those marks were going to go I can't think too much obviously because it's 10 minutes <laughs> but well, I definitely no, do, but, do but yeah I do, do alter, think, and yeah. I do alter things like you'll end up with oh dear I've put a chin in the wrong place so you just think oh let's try and make that go up a bit more and see if you can kind of patch it in a little bit or make a close yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's what I did on you didn't I that one I did yeah (laughs) (laughs) we've got to remember as well it's also hard to compare different sorts of art on the internet and also it gives a really distorted view of how successful someone really is so there may be someone who's doing really well with art financially, but only has a few followers. And vice versa, there's someone with thousands of followers, but who earns little or nothing from their work. Yeah, and don't forget, sometimes people who have thousands of followers have actually bought them. Did you know yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. See, now, it's I find this really strange. I can't tell you how many times I get these really weird messages or comments offering me a thousand followers if I... I don't know what they ask you to do. I... I can't really I just don't I just ignore yeah, them I, do I don't know if you have to sign up for something or you have to like their page pay, pay I don't them, know basically I think I, I find that so odd I mean the theory is obviously that the more followers you have the more successful you'll appear I don't care about that I'd rather have a hundred followers who are genuinely interested in what I do than a thousand fake ones yeah so just don't believe everything you see no, definitely <laughs> And also, some of the work you see on social media may be derivative of other artists' work. So it looks absolutely stunning. I think we've spoken about this before. So there was an artist you knew who, who people were kind of emulating, wasn't there? Mm, that's it, yeah. But they're not being plagiaristic, but perhaps because they like their style, they've kind of copied it or they've taken elements of it. And although they're posting that up and it looks amazing, is it? It's not particularly original, and to me, I'd I'd rather try and strive for something different, even if it takes me longer to get there. Yeah, definitely. I think finding your own fingerprint is it's really important in art because it's almost like plucking a style off the shelf. Otherwise, yeah, isn't it? Definitely. I think it's okay to start with that. You know, to take yeah. bits of you can yeah. learn. Definitely. You can learn from other people's styles. You can try other people's styles and take elements from it to try and develop your own. That artist that I was talking about, her art is absolutely beautiful and she is a fantastic and talented artist and she does lots of 
courses and things like that. But what I've noticed is that so many people now paint in exactly her style because they've been so inspired to, to do it. I think it was this daily painting movement and she was quite a, a heavy influencer in, in that. That must be flattering on one hand, but quite frustrating on the other, I'd, I'd have thought. Yeah, I suppose it's quite difficult when you're teaching people as well because they're bound mm. to at least at some point pick up some of the way you do things because you're teaching yeah. them it. I think the problem is as well is because she maybe she paints a lot of apples and oranges and and, and cups and saucers and still life and things like that. She's also fantastic at, at all other art, art as well, but she does a lot of still life. And I think the problem is more apparent when people are also using her style to do the same right, subjects. Yeah. Yeah, do you see what I, I mean? So you'll get a teacup and an apple and you think not only is it the same style, but it's the same kind of subject. Yeah. And the trouble is with doing that is you're never going to be as good as that artist because you're just trying to be that artist. You're never going to be them. And you, anyone is always going to want the real thing, aren't they? Yeah, you've always, I think you've got to start off, if, if you want to start off and you're sort of emulating their style, well, then you've got to bring something your own into it, haven't you? workshops are fantastic and online courses are fantastic so the way to do it is to learn from their techniques and just take elements of it yeah, isn't, isn't there and a, then try and make something your own there's that saying isn't there i don't know it's almost like that still like the artist book by uh, austin cleon yes like, still like an artist don't, yeah. don't take from one person but if, if you almost and then some famous uh, take from yeah, loads take from loads yeah. then it's not considered um stealing it's considered coming up your own style well, yeah, because then you're not, are you? You've just taken elements and, and created your own style, which isn't a bad thing at all. A weird thing I saw um, a week or so ago was a YouTube video and there was a, a woman who was teaching people how to create a picture of an animal. But what was really odd, because the actual artwork looked absolutely fantastic, it was mixed media and her finished piece looked amazing. But what she'd done was used... Uh, an animal piece of art that she'd found on Pinterest. She was trying to, to be fair to her, she was trying to say who the artist was, but I don't think there was any reference. So she just said that she'd got the image from Pinterest. But I thought, well, if you're teaching something like that as a teacher, then to me that you should be creating your own animal, if that makes sense, your own style of animal. Yeah, yeah. And the other problem with social media, of course, is that it is addictive. I mean, as you've said, Tara, in a previous episode, it's designed to be addictive. So when we know it's not the best place for us to be, for example, when we're feeling a bit down or a bit vulnerable, there are ways of limiting our own access. And Tara, you know more about this than I do. So can you talk about some of the apps that you use? Yeah, well, I only use one of them, but I know some alternatives. So we mentioned some of these on the time management episode. So have a listen to that as well. But for Mac, for the desktop, there's an app called Focus, which you can get from heyfocus.com. And this stops you looking at social media and checking your email and stuff like that all the time. But obviously, as well as that being good for time management, that also means you don't bombard yourself. For iPhones and tablets, uh, Mac, Windows and iOS, there's an app called Freedom. And then for Android, there's an app called Antisocial IO, and they all do the, pretty much the same things. They block you from looking at so much social media. Yeah, and the bottom line is that the only work you should ever compare yourself with is your own from a few years ago, not someone else's. So when you're scrolling through social media, just get inspired and, and don't take everything for what it looks like. You know, it could be very different. <laughs> I always find, I don't know you, I look through my social media and there's certain points I really like. And it doesn't necessarily go in chronicle order. So I might like, and it's probably because of what I'm drawing because of the challenges. 
but like I might go back to say February when we're doing faces and I really like that period around then but yours is probably yeah. different because yours is more finished works isn't it although funny enough you know when I post finished work I kind of like um, posting it in a studio environment. Do you know what I mean? Your photos look like lovely. That... that one you've just posted even just with your blank canvas. I really like how yeah. you set it up. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's just to do with the surroundings though, isn't it? It's in its, it, it's, there's interest around it, I suppose. Yeah. But like the whiskey glass I've just done, obviously I posted it up, first of all, as a finished painting, all cropped so it looks like it does. But then a, a week later I posted it on a little mini easel just standing on the side drying because I've just signed it. And I prefer those kind of pictures, actually. Yeah. The, shall I say what the previous question was? Yeah. 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 Um, what is the subject you avoid most in your work and why? And we've had quite a lot of different answers. Shall I kick it off? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so we've got Marianne, Marianne Morris, sorry. I avoided landscapes for a long time. I just recently discovered that I enjoy painting them. As an abstract painter, I just like to treat it as an abstract instead of trying to change my natural inclination and paint more realistically. And I've got Angela Murphy. Anything with a straight line. I've discovered that I'm a soft and fluffy kind of girl. <laughs> got Cheryl Martin. She says, I avoided pretty much everything. So I've really shocked myself by being part of this group. Oh. I've never, I oh, know, I've never done awards colour and I try to avoid animals. Lol. Something else I avoided was showing anyone what I did creatively. So even more horrifying was that I joined the group and I had to share everything too. But I'm so very glad I did. Oh, yeah, that's lovely, isn't it? And Cheryl yeah. works lovely. Cheryl, we really enjoyed Cheryl's work, haven't we? Yeah, and I think that's one of the things about confidence. If you yeah. share in a safe environment, because yeah. she knows no one in our group is going to be horrible to her, we're all just going to be encouraging. Which you know, So you feel much more confident like that. Well, anyone horrible would be kicked out anyway. Exactly, straight away. <laughs> and the thing about the, the group is because it's a closed group, what it means is that if you share work on there nobody can share it outside of the group and nobody yeah. can see it outside of the group nobody can find it outside of the group exactly. so yeah it does make a difference i think i've got christy carter daily doodle when i was in my teens and up into my 40s i enjoyed doing very precise detailed and realistic work even of faces but as time went by i lost patience for it and my eyesight grew worse also developed arthritis in my hands, so now I am jazzed by exploring colour, light, contrast, texture and pure design through modern art, collage, digital art and trying different mediums and surface textures. I find much more freedom of expression in doing these methods than was ever possible with straight realism. She'd probably love our group if she's not already in it. <laughs> yeah, she, I think she might be, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, I like the way she's managed to find something that works from her. You know, she, she's realised she can't do things she did before, but yeah. she's kind of adapted. Mm. Yeah. So I've got, I hope I'm going to say this right, Jolanta Kedra, portraits of people that are related to me or I know personally. What they look like to me is not exactly how I think they look. It's funny she should say that, you know, because, you know, I did that per uh, portrait workshop earlier yeah. this year and um, he actually said don't bring in a photograph of someone you know I'm going to provide the reference ah. and I said oh what's that then and he said because what I find is when people come into the workshop with someone they know they will constantly be thinking it doesn't look right I've got to tweak this tweak that but he said what they need to do is be totally detached from the model and that yeah. way they're not being too distracted by the fact they haven't got 
one tiny little bit quite yeah. right do you know what I mean and then that way you capture the character of the person and, yeah. and don't sort of stress too much that makes so sense that. and I guess you put less pressure on yourself that way don't you especially yeah. if you're just like you you'd hadn't done portraits much before no. well, not painting wise not anyway. painting no yeah. no and um I'm glad I think his advice was good actually I think for learning portraiture it's definitely good to learn with strangers rather than people you know I think to begin that's with that's not what you're doing now is it it's not a portrait no it is no. in a similar style though and it has got an element of figurative in it there you a go. hand oh i don't know <laughs> I'm, I'm not telling you <laughs> um i've got nan's empty promises i avoid drawing old people like the black plague they just don't turn out right and that's interesting because i love drawing old people I absolutely love it. So that's really interesting, isn't it? Because if if I was to try and paint somebody with a youthful complexion, yeah. A, I think I'd find it a bit boring, and B, I think it would be an awful lot harder to paint. But there's nothing more lovely than really big wrinkles. The one I did, the man I did, he, yeah. he had so many wrinkles and they were amazing to paint and the actual finished piece was so much more interesting than it would have been had he have been 30 years younger yeah I must admit I like drawing older faces yeah. and also I like drawing people with um colored skin rather than in general rather than the white skin I think that's yeah. much much more interesting you kind of get a glow yeah it's lovely it. yeah I love that I love that um another thing I found as well is when I look um sometimes when I just want to sketch in the mornings and I think oh what am I going to sketch today I'll, I'll sketch some people and I'll just put something like faces into google or i don't know a female head or a man or whatever but i find it so hard when nearly all of the faces are either airbrushed or they're really 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 heavily made up or they are just so perfect and perfectly lit and it almost makes it almost impossible to draw because yeah. it's it's like drawing a barbie doll do you know what i mean yeah you want like a heavy shadow down one side, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you want colours or something. Yeah, you want you know proper cast shadows and real uh, wrinkles or folds. I mean, at the end of the day, we've we've all got them. However fine they are, there once you reach you know a certain age, they're all there. And there's nothing. I don't know why they do that, but I look at a person and I I the ones I'm drawn to draw, pardon the pun, but are always they're not perfect. They haven't got perfect skin. What's What's interesting about that? Oh, I'm not trying to say that Nan's empty promises is completely wrong in what she's <laughs> saying at all. I'm really not. She's probably, I don't know, because I don't know what she means really, but I, she might be a bit worried about wrinkles and things like that. But um, actually, I find them really interesting to draw. Yeah. I find that it almost makes it easier for me. so weird how one person loves drawing what the other person hates. Because yeah. Claire Dunphy in that group, it was funny because I put a comment uh, that I, I don't like drawing like landscapes where it's all sort of the same and where, yeah. where you get loads of trees and I mm. can't remember something else. And she said she was the complete opposite. And so I said that she could do a drawing if it was a, a scene with like a landscape with people in it. I'll draw the faces in for her because she doesn't like that bit. <laughs> like a collaboration. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. Have you been watching Landscape Art Artists of the Year? Yeah, I've recorded it, but I never yeah. liked that as much as... No, you know, the portrait the, one. Yeah, yeah. Not even the portrait or the one, you know, the more general one as well. Oh, yeah, the, the big painting yeah, challenge. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. 
No, we um, I I watched both of them, but I do prefer the portrait ones because I'm not into landscapes at all. But I do still love watching the program. What channel is that on? In case anybody else wants to listen to it, is it Sky or is it? It's Sky Arts, I oh, think. Right, okay. Yeah. So hopefully people can find that. I don't know if you can get that online if you're in a different country. I'm not I sure. No, I don't no. know. Right, I've got Deb Sane, and she says I rarely create anything realistic looking because I'm not good at doing so. And because it's not a strength nor a skill I seem to be able to master to my satisfaction. I love creating so much that I've learned to embrace what's fun and avoid what can lead to discouragement and Dowsy's desire to be creative. And I love Deb's style. It is so distinct and original, I think. Yeah, when you're scrolling through the everything in the group, you know, there's a, quite a lot of people now and, and I, I kind of know who's done it before I even see the name. And that's yeah. great because everyone's got well getting their own style and deb's definitely one of them she's very unique and um yeah i love her stuff too it's very deb yeah (laughs) (laughs) nick tay tay west manufactured things like plastic or appliances yes i'm typing this on a petrol plastic keyboard while looking at a petrol plastic screen but i hate it all of it i know drawing the highlights and shadows and shapes of all these things are good practice but i won't I've got Kim Hine and she says I don't really avoid it I just don't find it inspiring landscapes which is so dumb because the whole point of art on the road is to capture landscape and Kim does a lot of camping doesn't she she likes going out about camping maybe I've not found the right teacher yet get where she's coming from because I don't like landscapes either and when we do go away and things like that I think oh I wish I was into landscapes or Paul goes fishing a lot and I'd love to just take along my sketchbook and and spend the day with him and do a landscape but fact is I don't like him either but there are things you can look for in a landscape which can be a way around it so maybe there'll be some interesting rocks or something or um I don't know an old battered old fence post or something do you know what I mean there's there's sort of elements of the landscape you could focus on so there's always that I suppose well you drew a tree didn't you you didn't mind drawing trees because you did that for the out and about one. yeah I did yeah I don't mind that I love the old twisty trunks and things like that but the landscape as a whole yeah I tend to just like elements of it yeah but then that's quite often a problem then because it's just something floating in the dead <laughs> <laughs> you've got Kim Hine haven't you I've just done that oh have you yeah oh, that's what okay. we're talking about lads <laughs> Okay, I've got Jen McCleary. People, they just never look right and I get annoyed. And yeah, I know when you first start drawing people as well, it is like that, especially if you're trying to draw people that you know. I like drawing people, it's just not their bodies. I'd rather just do the heads. Yeah, yeah, like a floating head. (laughs) No, I think it's something that you, that it gets easier the more you do it. It, and you just you just have to practice, but it's hard, isn't it, to make yourself practice? You don't like doing it, something you don't like doing. Yeah, and Jenna's got a really distinctive style, hasn't she? Because she does a lot of kind of, I guess, they're semi-abstract, where she collages different things, and I can see yeah. why she wouldn't like it because probably her style doesn't lend itself to that so much yeah, to, to real realism. Maybe, yeah. But anyway, we've got a brand new question today and we will read out the answers next time and today's question is you're in a plain white empty room with no windows all you have is a pen and a sketchbook what do you draw i'm wondering why you're in a plain white empty room (laughs) (laughs) is it padded (laughs) in a padded cell yeah (laughs) 
So you're in a plain white empty room with no windows. All you have is a pen and sketchbook. What do you draw? And as always, you can tweet us your answers at Kit Creatives or let us know in the Facebook group, which if you haven't joined, I suggest you do. We'll also put the question up there and on the Facebook page and of course on our Instagram, which is Kicking the Creatives. And before um, we go, I just wanted to mention that we've been getting a lot of really lovely feedback about this podcast. People have even taken the time to email us, which has been so, so lovely. Um, And we really, really appreciate the comments. And if you're enjoying the podcast, it would be so helpful if you could add a little review to iTunes. Podcasts like this, you know, they live or die by reviews. So your input would be so, so appreciated. And if you're really short on time, you could literally just give a star rating, which you can do in just a second. Um, Meanwhile, don't forget to pop over to our website at kickinthecreatives.com to find out how you can take part in some of our upcoming creative challenges. And of course, there you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And next time we'll be talking about why creative New Year resolutions are not always a good idea. So please join us for that one and we'll see you then. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon. (laughs) I've got Nick Tay-Tay West manufactured things like plastics or appliances. Yes, I'm typing this on a plastic petrol hang on on a petrol plastic keyboard what's that while looking at a petrol plastic screen but i hate it all of it (laughs) i know drawing the highlights shadows and shapes of all these things are good practice but i won't bleck i don't know if i'm reading that right tara which way you're not reading right bleck what's bleck mean oh i I might miss that out (laughs) let me read that one i want you to do the bleck at the end (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you can do the blur at the end. <laughs>